In the last few months, three American Jew Jewish giants, you can call them, in their fields passed away. Rosh Hashanah Eve, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the, the Supreme Court Justice, passed away, as the world calls her RBG. Two weeks ago, two and a half, three weeks ago, maybe by now, Sheldon Adelson, the most famous philanthropist, passed away. And last Saturday, last Shabbat, Larry King. Who does not Larry King? These three passed away in a very short time. The first common denominator that jumped into my, in front of me, in my eyes, was all three of them died by the age of 87. I don't know why, but this is a fact. All of them were 87 years old. Live to be 87, more correct to say. But when you look more into their life, you see they have a much deeper common denominator. When she passed away, when the justice, Supreme Court justice passed away, there was a big article in the, in the Guardian, the newspaper, the British Guardian. And it was, they wrote an article, and the article they wrote by the age of 17, she drifted away from Judaism, something like this. I don't remember the exact, exact expression. And it was an uproar. Many people complained, how dare you say that she left Judaism? She had a mezuzah near door. She was the one who was fighting for the Supreme Court to be to not, not to do, not to have sessions on, on the high holidays. She was, she was a proud Jew. How can you say it? Then they issued a correction. The age of 17, she drifted away from observance of Judaism, the religious observance but she still stayed as a proud Jew. But lately came out, then even later, after the age of 17, much later, still Judaism and traditions was very, very important to her. In 2003, there is a Chabad rabbi in Buffalo, New York, Rabbi Nosen Gorari, he somehow made a connection with, with Justice Scalia, Anthony Scalia. He wanted to create a special group, a special uh, co uh, committee, or they should work, they should um, argue a, a Jewish law in front of American Supreme Court. In any case, he made a special connection with Justice Scalia, who was not Jewish, but respected and loved Judaism and was interested in Jewish law. He made for him the connection with the Jewish Supreme, with the Jewish judges in the Supreme Court, with uh, Stephen Bryan and uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Finally, they had a meeting at Ruth Bader Ginsburg's office in the Supreme Court. That she was quick to point it out to him that a near door post, a near, a near entrance in her office, there is a nice mezuzah a silver mezuzah by, was by the door. They had a very nice meeting. And since then, they kind of established a relationship. For every holiday, 
the rabbi used to send her something for the holiday. Before Purim, he sent her Shalachmonas. Before Pesach, he sent her Shmurimatze. Before Hanukkah, he sent her a menorah, and so on. And she took the time, every, every, every time she got a gift from him, to write him a handwritten note on her stationery, near Supreme Court stationery. She used to write him, my dear rabbi, I received the Shmurimatze. Perfect time. The, the, the best matzah in the world, she, she writes. And I will take it with me for, to the same, my family say there, share it with my grandchildren. She writes, this time of the year, the holiday of Pesach, brings me very good memories, she writes. Brings her memories of her grandparents, being my grandparents for the Seder. And brings her memories of her mother bringing up the dishes from the basement, the Pesach dishes for, for the Seder, for, for Pesach. She used to change her, her whole kitchen for Pesach. You see, RBG grew up in a conservative home, a traditional home. She was born in Brooklyn. And there she grew up, she went to Hebrew school. And for her mother, her mother light candles every Friday night. Judaism was very important. Obviously, if she changed her kitchen for Pesach, you know that she was pretty observant. And they sent, she sent her to a Jewish camp and she was went there as a kid, and then she became a counselor there. And she was known in, in the camp as the rabbi. Why was she the rabbi? Because she led services, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and she used to give the sermons. Then the kids in camp called her the rabbi. That's how she was until the age of 17. Then her, her mother died by the age of 17. That she drifted away a little bit, and she, from, from observing, she concentrated on her career. But later in life, as happens to many of us, she came back to her traditions. She started to cherish more and more the Jewish traditions. One time when he sent her a menorah for Hanukkah, she writes, Rabbi, my mother would be smiling and she would know that I'm lighting candles and I say the broche before that. That's how she writes the broche before that. Hanukkah says, she, say, she writes, what brings me great memories, how we stood, was a very fun holiday, especially when my grandfather used to give out the Hanukkah girl. We used to stand in line from older to young, oldest to youngest, and everybody got this Hanukkah girl. And in this way, she used to write, she writes notes, and she showed her love to the tradition, to, to the Jewish traditions. And in general, later in years, and especially after her husband passed away, she started to lecture Jewish groups in Israel and in America. And she quite a few times made clear how important for her is the, the Jewish people and the Jewish traditions. Larry King, when he passed away last Saturday, there were in a few, I read a few articles about him. He used to say about himself that he's an agnostic. Doesn't know if there is a God. But on the Chabad, Chabad website was a whole different story. Larry King used to participate and lead and host, kind of, be one of the hosts of the report in the Teleton from Chabad in California. The Rabbi Kunin organizes every year. He was there quite a few years, I don't know how many, but he was there a few years being a part of the Teleton. 
It's a big fundraiser that Chabad in California is doing every year. And you see pictures how this agnostic is putting on film, not once, a few times. You know, when he fell into the end of the Chabad guys, he had no choice. If he wanted to go back home, he better put on film. And he saw it in different occasions, different pictures, how he puts on film. And he used to say that he loves the tradition, but his connections to Chabad, his connection to Chabad didn't start in California with a teleton. It started when he was a young child. He too, just like the justice, was born in Brooklyn. His parents were Orthodox. He grew up in an Orthodox home. When his father, when he was nine years old, his father passed away. Just a generation ago, just eight years ago, that was the world. His father died when he, and he had a huge impact on him that, that he lost his father when he was so young. And his mother did not have the money to buy him glasses. He needed a pair of glasses. And he said that some Chabad person, a rabbi, I don't know who, bought him glasses. Since then, he has a connection with Chabad. He, has a, he had a warm spot for Chabad. But in general, he used to say that he loves it when he's being invited for Pesach for a Seder by his friend. He enjoys being invited, invited to, temp, to the temples and the high holidays to, give, to speak there. He said, I, Rosh Hashanah Kippur is a very special time to him, the season. And more than everything, he once said that he cannot get himself eat milk and meat, mix meat and milk. He always, when he was a child, it was engraved in his soul that milk cannot be, doesn't go together with meat. He said, even eats bacon, he cannot mix it with milk. That's what he cannot do. And the last I want to mention is Sheldon Adelson. He was unfortunate not born in Brooklyn, but he was born in Boston in a very Jewish neighborhood. Also to a very poor family. And he started his business career, you don't need me to teach you about that. When he was, in 1990, he met his current wife, Miriam Farbstein, I think was her last name. And she, she's an Israeli, a doctor, and she started to bring him back to Judaism. I don't know what he was did before or didn't do. I can tell you about from this point. And she made a connection with a rabbi in Boston, Rabbi Bukit. And this rabbi, Alti Bukit, and this rabbi, they got engaged, and they got, uh, the couple got engaged and they were involved with the rabbi. One day the rabbi came to Sheldon and he tells them, I want to give you a to both of you, a wedding present. But you have to agree to receive it before you know what it is. In the beginning, what do you mean? I don't know. If I don't know, how can I get it? Okay. He talked to him. He finally says, yeah, whatever it is, I'll take it. Tells them, I want, it was in 1991. Tells them, I want to take you, both of you, to meet the Rebbe and to get a blessing. At that time, the Rebbe is to give out every Sunday, is to stand on his feet, and give out dollars to anybody who, may, who came together and seek a blessing. It was, everybody got sick, um, 30 seconds, 60 seconds was a lot. And I used to pass by, it was a second, two, I mean, three seconds, get a dollar and move on. And he tells them, I want you to go, to, I'll bring you there, you'll get a blessing from the Rebbe for your wedding, for your marriage. He agreed, he promised that he will do it, he did. 
On the way to New York, he sits and he, he says, I don't understand. We are flying all the way to New York for a meeting that's going to take a few seconds. Ridiculous. But he went. He came to 770. It was in the summer of 1991. And he passes, there is a video from it. He passes by with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe, they, they tell the Rebbe that, in the, the, I think the rabbi told the Rebbe that this, that this is Sheldon Adelson. He's a supporter of Chabad by him. And he's getting married to this, to this woman. And they came to ask a blessing. The Rebbe gives him a dollar and another dollar gives him a blessing. Then she turns to the Rebbe and tells the Rebbe in Hebrew, I want a blessing for a child. The Rebbe looks at her and tells her, why only one? Why in singular? Why not in plural? Should have a boy and a girl, please. And the Rebbe gives you $2 for two children. And then he turns to him and he gives him $2 for another $2 for two children. And he doesn't understand because they spoke in Hebrew. The Rebbe spoke to him in Hebrew. Then they, they, somebody told her, the secretary told her, it's for children. He was like shocked. They went back. She was at that time 46 years old, I think something like this. She had a child when she was 51, one son, I think his name is Adam. The second son that she had, she had a child when she was 53, his name is Matan. And forever he was grateful, indebted to the Rebbe for this blessing. He said, everybody wished me a good marriage, happy marriage. The Rebbe was the first one to give me a blessing for children. And they, anytime they used to, they, they, then later they moved to Las Vegas, and he became close to the rabbi in Las Vegas, Rabbi Harley. And every time he used to tell him, every time mention it and remembering it, or the rabbi, or the blessing that the rabbi gave him. And he became very involved in Judaism. Every time was they came to him, they were put on film, anything, sure, whatever, let's do it. No questions. And he became a big philanthropist of Jewish causes. He sponsored the Chabad, the Jewish day school that Chabad opened in Las Vegas. He gave, not long ago, $25 million to Yad Vashem in Jerusalem, to the Holocaust Museum. And more, more importantly, the most famous gift that he made was to the... He gave $150 million to birthright. All the kids that you know, your kids, your grandchildren, your friends' kids, all flew to Israel all from his donation on his bank account. In over the 15 years, he gave it, he gifted $150 million to birthright. So these three Jews tell us, they tell us the story of American Jewry. He says he's an agnostic, he's drifted away from Judaism. It's all nothing. Deep down, they have a connection to Judaism. They love the traditions, they miss it. And they're always ready to do something for it, for the Jewish people. This brings us to the Parsha of this week. We read in the Parsha of this week about, this, this Parsha is about the splitting of the sea. Then there was the song of the sea. Moses and the Jewish people and Miriam later were singing praises to God for the great miracle. That's why it's called the Shabbos of Sh Shabbat Shira, the Shabbos of the song. But right after this, Right after the splitting of the sea, the next line after the song is, the Jewish people traveled three days and they couldn't find water without water. When they finally saw water from far, 
tried to drink it, that was bitter water. The water was bitter. Then they turned to Moses, what's going on? They complained to Moses. Moses cried out to God. God told them, take a piece of wood, throw it into the water, and the water turned sweet and they were able to drink. One crisis solved. It was a month since they left Egypt. They ran out of the matzah that they took out from Egypt. No food. For a month, they survived on the matzah. Again, they complained to Moses, you took us out to the desert to die, to die here in the desert. There were not enough graveside in Egypt. This kind of language was it. Moses cried out to God again. God says, I will rain manna on them. The famous manna, that was the answer to the, to the complaint that there is no food. This crisis out. A short time later, they arrived in a place that's called Refidim. And again, they did not have any water to drink. Complained against to Moses, again to Moses. By the third time, Moses turns to God and says, God, I need to give the water. Soon they're going to stone me. Kind of, that's a third crisis. How much are you going to tolerate that? They will stone me. God told them, go in front of your people, in front of the people. Walk over towards the, towards Horeb, towards Mount Sinai. And there is a rock there that's waiting for you. Eat the rock and water is going to come out. Moses did so. He walked in front of the whole nation. He went over to the rock, eat the rock. He went ahead of the nation. Eat the rock and water came and they were still back and they already started to benefit from the water. That are the words from the Bible. Walk ahead of the people in front of the whole nation. Rashi says, go walk. God told him, go walk in front of your people. I want to see who is going to, to touch you. Why are you speaking Loshenore, gossip on my children that they're going to stone you? They're not going to stone you. They love you. They love God. They respect you. They want to do the right thing. They will not stone their leader. They'll never do such a thing. Don't speak Loshenore on the Jewish people. That's what God told Moses. These three Jews tell us the same idea. Don't. They are disconnected, they are assimilated. The Rebbe used to say that within every Jew, there is a treasure of believing God, faith in God, a connection to God. It's just a matter of digging it out, uncovering it, dusting off the dust from there, and helping the other Jew to uncover his love and his connection to Judaism. And when you help another Jew to uncover, to find his own connection, it brings your connection a little higher and deeper.